1: So here we are at the hub, just for the uh, the second time this month after the wonderful podcasting course that I was hosting here not so long ago. But um, today we are here for a little chat to a wonderful guest, uh, Sandra. I can always really have a little bit of problem with your actual surname. I'm never how sure how many Ben Ben's to put in it. Could you could you help us? It's not an easy one, Ben Beniste. Aha, from the Ibiza Preservation Foundation. Yes, thank you the newly named because um, actually it was obviously the Ibiza Preservation Fund but I don't know if that has to do with the fact that it's been 10 years now since you guys have been going that you've changed to the foundation. Well, we wanted to
0: really reflect the fact that legally under the Spanish law it's a foundation and then sometimes it has a bit of a different connotation. Some people could think being a fund that we are I don't know, like a big structure with a lot of money and uh, just like the Rockefeller Fund. That's what some people have in mind when you talk about fund. I was wondering, actually. And we are a small foundation. Then really, we think the word foundation, as in Spanish,
1: it's closer to somebody that works locally and that has specific projects on the ground. Well, it's like a support network, isn't it? That kind of underlies the entire foundation of this island because without a foundation to move from and grow from, then of course, you're never going to be able to really kind of of implicate the work that you're trying to to do here that's a great connotation
0: it's another way to to look at that the, yeah foundation as a as a way to to support and work with others
1: I think in the yoga classes, I always talk about the feet, you know, obviously being the foundation that we move from and we work from and to really feel into our foundation. Because if we haven't got a, a solid base and a structure and an infrastructure to work with, then we're not going anywhere because there's, you know, there's nothing to work with. And I think, you know, it feels like what, the work that you're doing is very similar in terms of, you know, all of the projects that you support and all the things that I've spoken to you about in the past. And I think the last conversation we had was about the, um, the oil uh, rigs that were being sort of... Um, yeah obviously potentially being built out to sea and there was a big old uh, big old hoo-ha as we say in England <laughs> about that and um yeah and what's the latest on that let's just start there Well, that that was,
0: I think, the first project that uh, really we we managed to put everybody together, everybody at the same table, and and working together towards achieving a common goal. When we started the initiative, the alliance, I remember talking to politicians from the island or business, big businessmen saying, no, it's lost, there's nothing we can do because permits have been given in Madrid. And we showed, after uh, four years of work, that we stopped Five projects, uh, five different initiatives around the Balearic Islands that could have become potentially very dangerous uh all prospection projects, all projects with with potential drills. So we're really very, very proud that we really managed to to create this alliance that has stopped these projects that nobody wanted on the island because it was not about some crazy NGOs working alone. It was all the businesses, all the governments, different administrations, local, regional, and of course the the civil society saying no. And we proved that there was even legally grounds for this to be stopped mm mm-hmm.
1: I mean exactly the foundation of people power I love that and um, you know that was actually the first time I'd ever kind of met you I was actually only listening to that podcast the other day and it was such a funny time for me actually because it was when I first started to make some podcasts here in Ibiza actually and I was kind of coming here obviously to expand my yoga business and and create that whole foundation for myself but um, I remember getting aboard the Greenpeace ship that was in the harbour in Ibiza town actually and I had this great interview with one of the sort of ladies that was on board that ship and she was telling me all the incredible eco warrior kind of projects that she does and it was just fascinating the amount of support that you guys managed to rally for that project was uh yeah pretty pretty impressive so obviously that was what five six years ago Yeah, I I said four before and then I thought oh, maybe it's
0: more, maybe it's five I I really don't have that that in mind now but what I know is that uh, we're just having meetings uh, because that alliance still exists and that there is a sense of achievement that the different bodies really feel that it is a model to follow that by uh, having uh, spaces and and tables to work at where really business talk to civil society etc just knowing that person by name and not only using the press to to really attack that other person when we have different interests, that has been, uh, I think, positive and has had results only, not only for the the oil, but also in terms of the connections that have been made, the persons that now have a direct connection and can phone each other, the NGO, to the business association, when there is an issue that before would never have happened.
1: No, it's just amazing. It's amazing how the connection of this island and the wheels that, you know, get into motion and how, you know, the cogs start to turn faster and faster and more easily and smoothly once you've kind of put the kind of uh, work in that you have done to support the kinds of projects that you have. Because obviously, I would imagine you're quite a popular lady, to be fair, with the kinds of things that you're, um, you're creating here. It's, it's magical. I mean, you say you found this island when you were a child and used to go on holiday here cause you're not from Ibiza originally. Well, it was my grandfather then found it in the 60s. No? He was he's a doctor in the mainland, and
0: a colleague of his was came to work in Ibiza. Imagine this in the 60s, it was like a paradise. And he told my grandfather, you have to come and see this. And, and he fell in love, and he built a house. So even before I was born, my mother was coming here. So I, since I was a little baby, uh, every summer I spent it here. And I always was in love in, with the island, until a certain moment when I became more critical, and I saw there were more and more developments in some of my favorite beaches, and I couldn't go anymore, like Calamoli or Calatarida, that were beautiful. And then one year after, you could just couldn't be there anymore because it was, you really saw this huge hotel there that, that was for me like, oh no, it's an invasion. Mm. So uh, I think after that, I mean, I also studied environmental studies and development studies and went to Mexico and Guatemala and worked there for six years. And it was only when I came back from there that I was a bit, uh, again, looking at Ibiza, like there's so much beauty that is still here. So at some point I had to like go outside and see that, we are, unfortunately, in many places of the world the same. It's developing, developing. We can not only think about the past and compare the past with the present, but really I think it's better to think about the future and think what can I do to preserve this island and so that the next generation that will come will have an island as beautiful as possible, taking what we have now and preserving what we have now.
1: I mean, it's very easy, though, to sit there and kind of bitch about, you know, the tourism and these people come over here and they do X, Y and Z and they throw their bottles in the sea and this, that and the other. But ultimately, you know, tourism is, is the backbone of this island. It's part of the infrastructure. So you can't really, you know, we can. Or, or, <laughs> the people that live here all year around. But, you know, this island swells to, I don't know, what, a couple of million in the summertime? Like 10 or 20 times its actual winter size. I don't think anyone has the exact figures and facts for how many people kind of come to the island over the summer but it's a it's a hell of a, a swelling a hell of a, a change in rhythm and in cycle and of course like i say you know a lot of that money that comes into the island comes from the summertime traffic so getting a balance between the two and finding a way to preserve the things that are here and are natural and are the reasons why we love to be here is a very important you know thing to do but you know just how much of the island depends upon tourism You're very right. I mean, uh,
0: I think there's no way to say, okay, this is bad and this is good and we want to go back to uh, like the past in the 60s where many people really were having economic problems. Uh, Of course, for society and for the community, uh, tourism is 99% of of the economic because directly or indirectly, we all depend on on tourism. So what we do at the foundation is, first of all, we're having a a think tank, what we call observatory of sustainability. And uh, we're presenting figures which are this year, so every year we're going to have, and it's uh, open for everybody at our web page the results of the observatory. So the numbers on, because the, as you said, nobody really knows. It's like lots of information, but very scattered and spread. So what we have done is really to put together and to do some analysis, and both on uh, more than 100 indicators, but including tourist pressure, water consumption, energy, etc. So to really have a basis for. Um, scientific discussion because we think also there is some point that we may have to talk about carrying capacity like they did in Formentera and they said this is the maximum entry number of cars that we can allow on the island. This is starting to happen but we first have to know really the exact situation Mm -hmm. to compare it year after year and not make it a political tool that one throw to the others. We are uh, very importantly with with the FEND not to be political. We need to be very objective Just put the facts on the table and facilitate the discussion again um, between the different stakeholders. But secondly, also, uh, what I would like to say is what we do try also to do is to find uh, positive solutions. And I think one very good example of a positive uh, tool that we've supported that that was uh, done thanks to Manu San Felix and the Association Marie, is the Posidonia Maps application. So we helped uh, mapping all the Posidonia around Formentera and now it's included in an app. That it's free so that you can download in your iPhone or your Android. And so anybody that goes to Formentera that wants to anchor knows how to do it, where to do it, so that they don't damage Posidonia. So, of course, there is a discussion on the
1: number of boats, which is really uh, regarding your, your point. Uh, and for people that don't know what Posidonia is, it's obviously this wonderful seaweed that makes the Balearic Seas crystalline and clear and energized and oxygenized by this magical, wonderful seaweed that only exists. Here. Exactly. These are meadows. Yeah, I really took for granted. It's a
0: word that we use it a lot, but not everybody knows it. And uh, that's one thing we've managed, that in the island now everybody does, which is, I think, very good resident after some years. And, and yeah, as you said, I mean, it's like the most impressive um, organism, also because it's the oldest and the biggest that exists. But most important, I mean, thanks to Posidonia, we have the amazing water we have. It wouldn't be this color, it wouldn't be this transparent if it wouldn't be for Posidonia. Yeah, because it filters, because it gives uh, food to the other biodiversity chain that we have in the, in the sea. So, well, we all agree that it's amazing. We even have a law now to protect it at Balearic level. But we also know that boats that anchor are damaging it. And it's not only boats. We, we don't want to demonize it. It's also the uh, water, the dirty water coming from the sewage plants, which is another big issue. But at least talking about boats and talking positive solutions, these Posidonia maps that I mentioned is, I think, a, a good step in the right direction. We're presenting it uh, again, like doing a new thing, on the 31st at uh, Club diario with all the churches association, which is also very interesting because they have taken ownership so that uh, they are really spreading the app in all their charters and and making sure that this app is used and well known by everybody that is renting a a boat and really it's like as I say a positive way so that those that have a boat know where to anchor without damaging the Posidonia.
1: Beautiful. I mean yeah I mean I never get bored of uh, smelling that slightly sewage smell when I walk down the beach even in Talamanca this morning like there's a, a tractor out on the beach like removing the dead Posidonia which I was kind of reading like a little nerd, actually, the other day on the beach from the, um, the little board that goes up about, you know, all the kind of um, cultural things that you probably don't actually notice when you live here. And sometimes you just go, oh, well, you know, I wonder what that one says. And it was about the Posidonia and it was saying that, you know, they don't actually remove it until this time of year because it actually also protects the shoreline and stops the reduction of the land, um, which is also just as important as what the work or the work that it does in the water for us. So it's, you know, it's an amazing, ridiculously incredible um, network that that does many positive things for us. So it's not just this smelly old mess that exists on the shorelines of Ibiza in the winter. It it really does have a very protective quality. Um, And, uh, you know, the water angle of uh, Ibiza and the fact that we do have all these, you know, in Salinas we've got these wonderful nature reserves and obviously that's, you know, to do with what lives in the water as much as what exists uh, like us on the land but what, you know plastic obviously is the the biggest conversation that's been going down in the the sort of ecology and uh, eco world for a long time now and you know we were talking last year there seemed to be a big Chat about plastic straws, which was obviously this big conversation because of all the clubs that are here and the amount of booze that gets sunk in Ibiza um, in summertime, particularly. But I feel like, you know, obviously the straws are going into the sea as much as anywhere else. But, you know, what is the biggest plastic crisis that we're facing? Is it just in the sea? Is it just from plastic bottles? What, you know, what's the number one thing that we can do maybe with the tourists that are coming here and for the rest of us that do live here to help kind of put back into the plastic pot?
0: Oh, that's another very big issue I, I would say that um, if you ask me the biggest problem now is microplastics and that's um, that's a challenging one because uh, what is a microplastic microplastic is the very very tiny one when you really go and, and to the beach and you get a bit of sand you see very often very little pieces of plastic that is uh, most very often it's like uh, caused by erosion of big plastics that were in the sea and that now became very small, but sometimes it's small particles. When you see little balls, that uh, may come from it, it's like the materia prima, that the prime, the prime thing that was used, that is going to be used to make plastics. The, anyway, that's that's a very challenging one that I think it's important for us to have in mind. Plus uh, the fibers that come from washing your, when, when you wash something that is synthetic in your washing machine, uh, that has microfibers too that go to to the sea. So very important to, to be aware and of course it's better to have cotton or certain uh, washing machines that have bigger or uh, better filters. Mm-hmm. So that's the challenging ones that are coming just for us to have in mind in the shorter term and where as an individual it's easier that I can do something it's of course bigger plastics such as mentioned straws or glasses etc bottles those uh, I think that I'm very positive that things are moving well just Next week, I'm a panelist at the IMS, the International Music Summit, in one panel that is focusing the environment, just plastics, and is focusing what the music industry can do to reduce plastics. That's itself a great new. I mean, it hadn't happened in eight years. They hadn't had the environment as a topic, and we had been pushing very, very every year. So now we finally, thanks to Blondie and other DJs wanting to go uh, towards that. Uh, so I would say that businesses have understood that they're part of the problem, but they can be part of the solution. And so we have created, again, from the Ibiza Preservation Foundation, in that spirit of the alliances, uh, a movement that we call Plastic Free Ibiza, Plastic Free Formentera. And we thought that the best way was to really give a prize. It's like the carrot and the stick there is a lot that is coming that could be the stick, but we want to give a carrot to those doing things better. Mm-hmm. So those restaurants, those dig- those clubs, those h- hotels that are going plastic-free, we're talking single-use plastic-free, we're going to give them a certificate that could be one, two, three stars according to the number of items they're reducing, so that it's a process and that they also feel, as I say, that they can be part of the solution. Mm-hmm.
1: That's beautiful, I mean I love the work that Blondish are doing particularly because obviously they're massive and they are a Woo Moon favourite uh, of mine particularly and I just feel like yeah, they are doing some really, really great work and they got onto Radio 1 just the other week as well, which in England is a is a big thing to get on Newsbeat to sort of talk about the plastic-free crisis. Um, but, you know, in terms of... We've, we've talked about the plastic bottles, but, you know, Ibiza, one of the number one things that drives me slightly insane here, I remember it used to be in my 20s when I was in Pasha and was dying to sort of refill my water bottle, but, of course, you can't um, drink the tap water here, in theory, and I'm sure they used to add extra things into the mix, into that water, so you really seriously couldn't even stomach. Like salt or whatever it was, um, which was horrendous. Cause it was like eight or ten pounds for a bottle of water that was a 33 you know, centilitre, like the size of a can of Coca Cola, which is absolute madness. Um, you know, A lot of people just can't really afford that and maybe shouldn't be going to Pasha if that's the case. But um, back then, you know, I was obviously in my 20s and I uh, wasn't uh, terribly well off. And it was very disappointing that I couldn't drink the tap water. But it does mean that when tourists come here and they ship into a, an apartment or a, a villa here this summer, Um, They all go to the shops and they buy these, you know, one or one and a half litre bottles of water when they stock up and maybe some smaller ones for the beach, which, you know, this is probably one of the biggest problems that we are facing in terms of the bottle crisis. So what is the answer to that? I would say that um, it it really, I mean, we we all have to to slowly...
0: um, assume and understand that the water is the quality is changing because like when you were in, in your 20s I'm sure water in Pacha didn't come from the desalination plant but now we have it so in Ibiza town the quality of the water at the top is much better than most of the people think of course you can drink it I mean of course it would be illegal if they had anything I mean it's really public health so uh, anybody connected to to the tap, any club any restaurant etc the water may be the t- taste you don't like it so much if it as more chlorine, but the quality by law, you have to be able. You are you are able to drink it. And I know many people. I mean, the coordinator of the water alliance, that's another alliance we work to. He always says, by principle, I always drink tap water uh, because he lives in Vita, and uh, I living in Santa Gertrudis. Now, for example, I in the past the water was not good, but now we're connected to the Santa Olalia desalination plant, and now I can also drink it. The taste is not so good, I have to say, but I can do it. So I prefer to go to one of these where I get my 8-liter uh, containers and I fill them and, and then I am reusing the same plastic all over. So we have options when you are living on the island. I would say that when you're visiting, depending on where you are, I would say for sure check water it's it's more much better than you would expect and in like you will see that in a couple of years uh, that there is this law coming P- restaurants will have to be putting jars like they're doing in other places of the world and i'm sure they'll improve so that the taste is also better and they'll have filters which is like the second step so if you have if you're connected to the grid and you don't like the taste you can have a, a kind of quite simple filter that is not osmosis and then that improves a lot the taste
1: I think that's a really good idea. I mean, even just to pack like a plastic, uh, you know, filter. They are plastic. I mean, what, oh, the irony. But you know, you know those um, those water filter jugs that you can buy fairly cheap. You, you can even get them from the Chinese shop here, or your local supermarket. The the Fita ones. But I feel like. Um, you know this uh, tap that we talk about there's many places across the island where you can go and in San Rafael there's one on the road between Abita town and Santilalia and that's where I was filling up my water for a really long time and then someone was like okay get that water I was doing some chefing work as well and you know, and boil it and see what happens and actually you get this white there's a lot of cal uh, they call it here like um, chalk yeah Jan but that's not I mean that's not a problem I mean it's been
0: tested in labs it's been proved that it, I mean if you that that is not unhealthy of course then you have lots of theories and lots of uh, and different people would say well
1: I don't like I look them. at my bathroom tap though it doesn't inspire me <laughs> to what my uh, my little uh, insides look like a crusty old lime scaly old uh, pipe <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm not a,
0: a specialist in that I, I wouldn't be able to say how much and what's the amount that the body can filter itself but I, I would say that more really having talked to uh, different researchers and different specialists on the island that we can that we can and should uh, because it's it's really I mean bottles are, are not the solution and it's uh, it, it, it has more cons. even even talking about desalination plants I mean th- those are really due to get the water from the sea and just getting uh, yeah water from the sea. some people say well they don't have the the um, minerals so. That's also, I mean, talking to your doctor, talking to your people that you trust and finding, and maybe you can add something. I know that some people add a bit of minerals to the water from the desalination plant. I mean, they measure. The law says it's good for consumption, um, that they have to do these tests to be able to sell it. And then, of course, then it's your personal taste and your personal priorities.
1: Okay, here's another thing that puts me off then, because I was living in Sant'Illalia and, um, you know, it's okay, sort of wintertime. But then sort of around June-ish, you start to sort of cycle up the road back from the gym from Sant'Illalia towards Escanar, um, where I was using to cut into um, the place where I was living. And, And the smell, I don't know what that smell is. Like, you must... Yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to just be really honest. Like for for someone visiting, like if I was hiring a place in Escanar or whatever, you know, when I used to drive past the beach town, like as you get to that little part of town just before Talamanca, you know, I can just smell sewage. Like that is just a fact in the summer. Now, what's that all about? Because I've always wanted to ask this question. So I'm delighted to have you there in the hot seat, and I do demand an answer. <laughs> that's uh, another
0: of the big questions, sewage. The water the um, because we were talking desalination plants, so that's a kind of bunch of of installations of plants that are completely different, of course, from the uh, sewage, uh, what we call treatment plants, depuradoras y desaladoras. Sometimes in Spanish people uh, put them in the same box, but no. Depuradoras, so it's uh, treatment sewage plants, were done many years ago when the size of the island was smaller and the capacity is not enough. Mm. So we've been asking for years, and these uh, decisions depend from Mallorca, so politicians that take decisions uh, about these budgets being investment invested. And, of course, investments are huge and uh, need to be approved in Mallorca. So these plans are now too small for the capacity of the island. That's why when the summer comes and we have more tourists, the capacity is really not enough. And so with uh, the Water Alliance, we've been... Uh, testing and uh, lobbying and showing at the press because it's huge and it's a fact but they don't want to assume that they're throwing to the sea uh, water water from the sewage that should be treated and they don't have enough capacity so it's really very
1: uh scaring so raw sewage is going into the sea in the summertime because we don't have enough room to store it
0: yes that is
1: really terrifying and, and to treat it. Yeah, we don't have the capacity to treat it, so
0: they just open the door and throw the excess that they don't have. So that's why it smells. It's just, it's not done for the amount of people that, that we have in the season. And then, uh, so there's a the solutions where are of course to make newer investments. I know in Santa Eulalia they're doing one. And in Ibiza there's a project to do another one. But the project has been on the table, at, I think, for four years uh, to do it uh, in, in in an area in Ibiza because of course nobody wants a a sewage plant close to their house so it's always tricky where to do it where to place it so they found a place that is really not the best because you have to go up the hill and and you need a lot of energy Mm -hmm. to take all that water uh, up the hill Uh, but that seems to be like the only place that uh, they found to to make it so the solution is will come, we will have bigger treatment plants. but that links again to there is a certain maximum number of people you can have on the island because uh, uh, the facilities have a certain capacity
1: so we cannot grow and grow and grow but who's keeping track of that and you know where are those places that that raw sewage gets excreted because obviously those are places I'm assuming that people might want to avoid swimming we have a map
0: we did it with uh, an NGO called uh, so the other websites it is so you see where the, the sewage pipes go so it, it's it's done in a map and uh, it, it's also linked in our webpage in, in under studies, and um yeah, and of course it's better not to go to these places, but that's why the institutions don't want to go too public about it. So name me one place that we shouldn't be swimming. I
1: want to know. Yeah, Talamanca. The Talamanca pipe goes... Uh, that's what, I've just moved to Talamanca. I'm leaving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it does look a little bit cloudy in the summertime, the summertime. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's
0: it's better to go and and, and check the map. And, and of course, in uh, Talamanca also, I mean, the, the pipe goes... Quite far, but
1: yeah. When we talk about you know this excretion, I mean, in England we have this um, organisation called Surfers Against Sewage, and it's a, a surfing pressure group. They're actually quite ninja about it, and um, they really do make a big fuss because obviously there is sewage being pumped out into the seas in Britain as well. This is not something that's exclusive to Ibiza, and I'm talking to you about it and putting you on the spot. But this is. Uh, a, a global issue that happens all over the world it's not exclusive to here it's not something that's just because of our sanitation or our our problems with the water it's obviously you know happening everywhere um but i mean if we were to do a little litmus test um in the summer like and if i kind of tested that water would it be safe for a small child to swim in
0: uh that depends i mean the government always says that it is and uh, so, as I said, like that did some tests, said it was not. I um, mean, depending also like on the time, on the day. I mean, yeah, when we're talking health issues at that level, uh, it is. I mean, I pr- I think it's better to go like really place by place and take the data and be very sure so that we don't cause alarm. But of course, the government, uh, the regional government, they are the ones in charge, and they say that it's all very safe. Um, I I think it's also common sense. I mean, when you see that the color uh, is too cloudy and
1: not transparent and not for people that live here and know what it looks like in the winter time when that's not happening sure but for tourists like I would want to know I'm sorry I'm going to be really honest about where those places are and no I would not want my children swimming there so that is of interest and I'm sorry to have uh, <laughs> dug up something that's maybe feel, no, made you no, feel no. but if that information is on your website See. and people can actually go and look yeah. it up for themselves maybe that is what we should suggest that they do if they are interested in those uh, hot spots so to speak yeah um, yeah and of course I mean it's not always the same
0: I mean because it's it, like uh, sometimes there's more. Sometimes there's less. So of course, it's always the, it's always dangerous to say, okay, don't go to the beach. I mean, you have uh, certain businesses and uh, etc. and town halls, and so you cannot put like a black spot forever. You know, it's like sometimes it's uh, yeah, it's not always. It's not mm,
1: steady. Praise the Lord for the Posidonia. What would we do with that stuff? I mean, we'd all be yeah, swimming around in uh, all sorts. Um, I mean, it also reoxygenizes the water, which is my favorite fact about it. I feel like it's like a pranic, as a yoga teacher, like it provides prana and energy and like life source to the water supply and obviously cleans up the damage that us crazy lunatics on uh, on the land <laughs> create and the chaos that we in, sort of uh, yeah, make around us, not just on the seas, but also on the land. And you're going out on La Bella Verde today, which is like my favorite. Eco warrior group on the island. We love Charlie and um, his uh, pirate friends, and um, we support them massively on this podcast. And we've had them as guests before, and they are, you know, the island's only kind of eco catamaran. Obviously, they're sailing through purely uh, green ways, which is a wonderful thing.
0: Yes, I've never sailed with them, so I'm super happy and super excited and, and thanks to uh, there's someone coming for an interview, so we're using it as a, an excuse to do the interviews and so it's great. I, yeah I think of course we, we all should I, I promote this model and really get it. I'm so happy that they're growing. I think they have more and more boats and I, I think they've proven that it can be done. Of course, because we we all know that other sailing boats so, they say that sailing boats, but they have a motor, an engine, and then they they just use oil to go from Ibiza to Formentera. So it is a great example. And and as as you said, also the persons that are behind it, the entrepreneurs, the leaders, that's what I think is great. And and we do need to have many more of of those. Uh, I I think the model could also be inspiring to going towards electric cars more and more. I think Ibiza also has the greatest size than Formentera to be both both islands. Could be 100% electric cars. Local government, the kunsevita, uh, are promo is promoting it. They, the issue is, uh, I think the price of the cars is still a bit high. But I'm sure in a couple of years this is gonna uh, go down. And I think we'll see an island where uh, cars are, are really going towards solar and of co- electrical. And of course, the dream and my vision would be that we have more and more houses or flats, some solar panels so that we can charge our cars with the solar energy. It's so crazy. We are an island with 300 days of sun and less than 0.5% of the energy comes from the sun. Mm -hmm. Much less than in Germany or in countries where they have awful weather. So really, uh, there was a bad situation with the law till uh, last year at national level this has changed there's no more solar tax conditions are much better prices of the solar panels have gone down so I also think that it is a very positive
1: a topic where we can see positive developments it's a step in the right direction certainly and I mean we're not short of sunshine here as you rightly point out and solar tax I mean who ever invented that a well, ridiculous thing I mean I live in a solar powered house and I don't have any electricity bills and that is magical because um, it means I can put the heating on without worrying about it and it, you know Many other things besides, which are massive, massive benefits. So, really, I mean, the car thing here is a disaster, and the amount of rental cars that get shipped into this island to, you know, meet the supply and demand of the tourists that visit here, and the fact that nobody here can get an ITV for love nor money because there's only one tiny little office. I loved a post from uh, Graham Zahara on Facebook this morning, who was at the ITV office, and he said there's more people here than Glastonbury, which did make <laughs> me laugh a lot. Uh, and that is a fact because basically, the most preposterous. Fact about this uh, matter is, is that there's so many cars on this island. There's one tiny little place with about three mechanics in it, you know. And it is a bit like Glastonbury. It is quite ridiculous, and um, it's very frustrating. And because you can't actually drive without an ITV here, and of course you can't get an appointment. So, I mean, let's not even go down that road about how silly that is. But if there was, you know, electric cars that were serviced and all kept to one specification, it would make life a lot easier and a lot more pleasurable in the car department. I'd like to lastly touch. We don't have that long left. But um, I've been very, very honoured um, to be the facilitator of a little podcast project that's being launched with my wonderful friend Tess of Love Food Ibiza. And um, I was listening to her brilliant interview with you earlier um, about the food supply here on the island. It's another fascinating thing about and maybe the way people here can be a little bit more conscious about um, the sort of supplies um, that they choose to um, bring into their homes and their rented accommodations, but also places they choose to eat, because there's some great eco projects going on on the island now with farms and farm-to-table food um, being sort of more of a thing now than it, than it ever has been before. It's not just about Eroski and going and getting your, your basic bits and bobs. I mean, it is for a lot of people, but h- how can people sort of be a bit more conscious in terms of the, the ways that they're choosing to eat here when they come and visit us?
0: Yes, it's a great question. Uh, in terms of uh, the foundation, the Preservation Foundation, we always say that we work with two main topics, which is the sea and the land. So we've been uh, talking about Posidonia and uh, plastics, etc., that are mainly uh, related to the sea. But, of course, working with land is, is well, I mean, it's... When you walk in Ibiza and when you see the beautiful landscape that we have, it's, it's really think, an obligation for any organization wanting to preserve the environment. And the best way to preserve the landscape uh, for us is really to promote local produce. Because that's the way, really, we're going to have more farms, more people planting fig trees, olive trees, uh, having vegetable gardens. So it does have uh, an amazing impact on the beauty, on the landscape, on the va- variety, on the biodiversity. Also in protecting us against fires, because fires have been big some years ago. Luckily, the last two years have been better. But the more pines we have without uh, what we call ceasefires, no? With, when, when we have uh, almond trees or vegetables or uh, between the pines, those are natural ceasefires, stop fires. So you really... There's so many reasons that, that make us, when you look at the Vita globally, think that it is important to protect the landscape. But of course, then, from a personal point of view, if we want to have healthy food, uh, what is the best way is to be sure that we're having it... Uh, cut from the plant as um, close to the moment when I eat it as possible mm. because it, it doesn't lose lose the properties and the quality so of course we we want uh, the taste is going to be better if, if the tomatoes or the whatever we're eating is, is from Ibiza so what I would say I mean for all of us visiting us or living in Ibiza that, that want is that well they can have a look at the, uh, the page that we've created which is called ibizaproduce.org and there you have a big list of all the places the farmers the products everything that is produced and the places where you can buy many farms you can go directly you have the opening hours the maps because sometimes it's not so easy to find them but it's a beautiful also visit also for the kids to go and, and pick your own tomatoes or uh, vegetables. Also, of course, there's a lists or links to lists of the restaurants that are uh, committed to buying local produce. So I would say that with our how we choose the restaurants we go to, also we're voting for the way we want, with the quality of the produce we want. So it's not only uh, because this place is um, decorated in this way, but I think... Also, because it can go together, it's nicely decorated, but it also has a commitment to buy local. So I think more and more people are wanting to know which places are having this this produce that uh, that has better quality and that is committed to protecting the island.
1: I mean, you know, it is so much easier when you come here on holiday and you just go into kind of like the one stop shop for everything that you need. I mean, chefing here as well, there's never just one place where you can buy absolutely everything. And of course, when time is short and you're on holiday and you, you know, you just want to maximise the kind of fun times that you're having. You don't really want to, you know, go to all these different places for your tomatoes, for your, you know, meats, for your dairy, whatever. So I can understand to a degree that from that perspective it's not that convenient to to dig out the kind of local um, farm-to-table options. But ultimately, you know, for people that do live here, there's really no excuse and it is... Obviously so much better for the island not to be importing things and to eat food that's alive and hasn't traveled from somewhere else and is dead by the time it hits your plate and whatever else you're going to do to it. So ultimately it's you know beneficial for our health to be a little bit more exploratory and investigative to try and find the best options that are you know vibrating at their highest frequency by the time we actually consume them. Yes, actually, and
0: and as you say, I mean, for those of us living here or having a second house here and that you already know where are the shops, there's more and more. I don't know, I live in Santa Getrudis, and for example, La Choza has quite a lot of a variety of, of uh, different vegetables, etc., and And it, not everything, but there's a quite a uh, big representation of local produce there. So it, it's, I, I think, as you say, maybe not so easy as going to the big supermarket, but sometimes it's more fun because you go to the smaller shops and you talk to the local people. And, um, I mean, yeah, and I think more and more of us are, are willing to do so. Such so it's just the same as more and more and not taking the plastic bags in the supermarket and are carrying our own bag. So I think it is a process and it will happen. And I I really insist in this process idea. I think one step at a time. I mean, maybe these holidays you can go to a couple of restaurants and you visit a couple of farms and maybe you still go to the supermarket, but maybe next year you'll be able to do something more.
1: Thank you so much, Sandra. I mean, I've got actually about five million other questions, but we're going to have to do it another time because we are running out of time and you have got to go on this wonderful boat trip with La Bella Verde and... um, yeah, it's just been really fascinating. I think recycling is probably what we'll end up talking about next time because I do hear vicious rumours that recycling sometimes isn't as, as good as it should be here. Is that true or not? One one word answer. It works. It's not the solution, but it works
0: for some of those. For those that still think that recycling does not work because everything goes together, that's a myth and that we really have to insist a lot and can you can visit the plant For sure, everything that goes to the colour containers is recycled. Another (laughs) topic for another day is that globally we're recycling more than what can be then recycled at global level. So that's a big issue, global. But on the island, it is much better than just dumping things in the grey containers that go to the landfill.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I was, I was a little bit suspicious there. <laughs> um, I wish you the most beautiful summer on your 10th anniversary year. And um, just the work that you're doing is inspirational. And um, yes, thank God that you're here, basically. And thank you so much for joining us here on the Reset Rebel podcast. Thank you, really. Thank you so
0: much for giving us the opportunity to spread and for really helping that the news go to everybody. Thank you. Our pleasure. <laughs> Reset Rebel Reset Rebel Coming to you every day